Hello and a warm welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. I'm Tom Pearson, stepping in for Carol this week, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Sardatu Hamu. Sardatu has experience on corporate commercial transactions and the intersection of law, policy and regulatory developments on business. With in-depth understanding of the Nigerian legal system, she advised clients locally and internationally on intellectual property, banking, project finance and asset acquisitions. Her areas of specialism include banking and finance, energy, emerging enterprises and regulatory compliance. Sadatu, a very warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Brilliant. Let's dive right into things. So, Sadatu, we're seeing an increase in the number of female-led Nigerian and African law firms, but this has been a lamentably recent development. What hurdles did you personally face in establishing and growing your own firm, Hamu Legal? Wow. Um, Thank you so much for that question. I think... um, To first address the increase in female-led law firms, I think is a reflection of how much women are now getting into the profession and being bold enough to not just be part of it, but lead within it. Um, Of course, the legal profession in Nigeria has been mostly been led by men, but um, the new generation of lawyers are becoming more more visible and more assertive, not just um, behind closed doors, but in the practice field. So specific challenges for me that I faced was one with respect to client acquisition, because the typical understanding of who a lawyer was within the Nigerian context or in the Nigerian society is a big elderly man who, you know, has a big law firm, and for me, being female, being young, and also being from the North, of which we typically don't go into practice, it was a bit of a challenge convincing people to trust me and engage with me. And secondly, another challenge was with respect to talent acquisition, because you're a new breed in terms of the typical law firm leader, law firm, law firm system, to be able to acquire talent and retain talent becomes a challenge. However, with consistency and making people understand that, you know, law practice evolves and as human beings and as lawyers, we are, we are not measured by who our gender, but by the services we're able to deliver. I'm seeing a significant shift, not just in my practice, but in also other practices across the country. It's fantastic to hear. Now, I would argue that the success and the growth that uh, Hamu Legal has has experienced is evidence that you've been able to over- overcome any cultural or gender-based um, uh, hurdles. But how have you gone about overcoming these hurdles? And and what benefits do you see as a female legal leader, you know, from a from a more diverse background? And and how can that benefit the legal community as a whole? Um, so in terms of overcoming the challenges, I think it's being conscious in creating a system that is very inclusive, that we acquire talent not just by virtue of their gender, but because of the t- talent and skills they bring um, to the fore. So um, luckily for me, I think in the firm I practiced before starting Hamu Legal, um, it, was a very, it was a very inclusive environment. 
but um, still, despite that, there were a majority of men in the in in the in the in the in the practice. Even me at my law firm at the moment, I have mostly men practicing at the moment. Even though we have two female young female associates, young associates at the moment, but um, overcoming it was is a significant challenge. We consistent, I also consistently face, but it's continuously to be. Is continuously being deliberate to create an inclusive environment. And the benefits for being a female um, lawyer, I think, is significant because we're seeing a rise in female business leaders, not just um, in Nigeria, but um, globally. Because for me, I find law practice to be um, a relationship of trust. And more often than not, um, the clients you relate with are more than just your clients, they're your, they're your partners. You you have you have an ongoing relationship with them. So the, with more female businesses um, coming up across the country and across the continent, I think it's only natural to see more female more female lawyers also coming coming to the fore, which also expands the talent pool both in the business side and the legal side. And you mentioned expanding the talent pool here. What do you see as the key benefits in more women uh, flocking to the legal profession, uh, joining firms and finding, founding their, their, their own firms? What, what are the key benefits for all with that occurring? I think legal challenges are not unique to men alone. And having females um, significant in significant number in the legal space um, brings more of a balanced perspective, especially with recent challenges we're seeing that women are facing, not just in workplaces, but also at home. And also, I feel there are specific um, traits and skills that women bring to the fore, which um, has consistently been ignored um, in law practice. So if you're looking at the bottom lines, even from a business perspective, it's shown, research has shown businesses that are being led by women tend to, at the end of the day, make better numbers. And also from an empathic perspective, I think naturally women tend to be more empathic in the way they just address issues or engage with individuals. So beyond just dealing with the legal matters, I think even internally within the organizational structures of firms, I think there are nuances and perspectives women leaders bring that typically I find men men leaders of law firm tend to either ignore or do not see as a significant as a significant um, input that should be made within the law practice or within the organization. Now I, I couldn't agree more on the empathy point in particular and mm-hmm. and we're seeing the necessity for empathy coming to the forefront more and more in the legal profession with with things like legal design thinking mm-hmm. beginning with the ability to empathize on a on a business and personal level with our clients so i uh, i'm very very happy you've raised that and I, <laughs> I i personally couldn't agree more now on a on a different track um i understand that you're a recent graduate of the georgetown university national security law llm could you yeah. tell us a little bit more about your experience of uh, uh, of this qualification from the us and what doors it has opened or you hope it will open for your practice well, um, so for me, um, 
I think going to Georgetown um, last year was the best professional decision I've made in the last 10 years because to start with, legal practice is becoming more and more global. So the ability for you not to only qualify um, in Nigeria and qualify abroad, but to be able to understand and immerse in the way um, American or UK legal practice works gives you an added um, advantage. My LLM is focused on national security. I did an LLM in national security law and the focus was um, on emerging technology and cybersecurity, information privacy and data regulation. So it was looking at the intersection of technology on our national security concerns. So this gave me an opportunity not to only um, understand the trends in the US when it comes to national security, but it gave me an ability to also understand that where, where, where policy is moving towards data regulation, information privacy. And we always look at it from a business perspective, but it gave me an understanding that technology now affects almost every aspect of not just our business, but our policy decisions. So doing a master's in national security law for me was the best decision I could make because I have an interest in policy and I have an interest in emerging technology. So it gave me an opportunity to immerse in both areas while also expanding my opportunities to understand other areas of practice that I could um, come back to Nigeria and use. Yeah, I think that that information governance point can't be uh, pressed uh you know more it's it's one of the easiest ways for businesses to get caught out um either through their uh, non-controlled or non-considered utilization of technology or their non-utilization of technology technology you know more and more businesses are finding themselves caught short when their information governance is shown to be not up to scratch um and not staying um up to date with with international standards and and local national standards when it comes to information privacy and information governance so mm-hmm. i'm sure you have done yourself a world of favors by positioning yourself as a as a thought leader um in that field and i look forward to hearing about how how that aspect of your practice develops uh, mm-hmm. now moving on to a a, a very uh, another contemporary issue um the NBA elections, they, they wow. are looming. <laughs> that's, <laughs> less, that's the less... hardest topic in Nigerian legal space at the moment. So I'm For glad sure. you brought it up. <laughs> well, I will say to our, our listeners as well, we have just published the first of our three uh, Meet the Candidate interviews. Um, Dr. Babatunde Ajabade's answers are on Africa Legal Now. So if you haven't had a chance to have a look at that, please do so. Bringing things very much back to you, Sardatu. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on the spot with an endorsement, but I am okay. going to ask you, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of the outcome mm. here, you know, regardless of who wins, what do you see as the most pressing issues which need to be addressed regardless of who the new president of the NBA is? Wow. Um, I think the legal the problem with the legal profession in Nigeria are are immense, but they're not insurmountable. Um, I'll, however, address it, I think, across three prongs. First, um, practice reform. Two, um, education and training. 
And finally, the integrity of the bar and the legal profession as a whole. So with respect to practice, um, there's a lot of conversations in terms of ensuring that young lawyers are paid better, ensuring that they have better access to benefits if they're working in law firms. But I think it's beyond just making payment for young lawyers. I think we need a system that manages, that governs, manages and supervises lawyers and law firms, just like the solicitors regulatory authority. So I think the first task um, the MBA president should look towards is how do we make create um, a regulatory authority for the legal profession or for practitioners while the MBA continues to be a representative society for lawyers as it is not a regulator. Then with respect to the education, I feel um, profession will only advance as good as the talent is, it has and it's able to produce. Very often we seek to go outside of the country to advance our education. It's not because what is given here is not good enough, but it's not up to par to global standards. So there's a need to rethink what is the type of training we're giving lawyers at the moment? Is it at par with what global standards are at the moment? Which I feel it's not, because like we indicated earlier, we're thinking of design thinking in lawyering. Um, other pe- other jurisdictions are exploring um, are exploring coordinated coordinated law um, law practice with other professions. So I think there's a need for opening up of the market and thinking of the way we train better for us to be able to advance, not just in Nigeria or in Africa, but globally. There is a serious feeling integrity of lawyers in the country, which is very, very unfortunate. And I think once we're able to reform the class of lawyers we produce, how we do our work, how we conduct ourselves, because there is a supervisory authority, I think we'll begin to regain back the trust and integrity we have, not just in the minds of people, but also in the society. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your, your thoughts there, Sardatu. Now, following on with this, this notion of integrity of the profession, I, I know that your own firm's motto is trust and excellence, which is commendable. But, but what are some of the behaviours and habits you see within the legal profession which certainly don't service to build trust or, or showcase excellence? So I think um, generally the legal profession is a relationship of trust, is a profession of trust. So that is where everything starts from and begins. And trust, you can't just buy trust or or say something. It's, it's really earned, but it's one thing to earn it. But to keep it requires you to deliver your legal services, not just in an okay way, but um, excellently. So that was what informed our motto for trust and excellence and the trust of clients and deliver excellent services to them. With respect to the things I see that are not appropriate, I think it's it's a conversation that has already been going on um, across the country with respect to it in view of these elections um, that are happening. So to start with, we have um, an inundated list of solicitors on the wall, with some of which we're not even sure are real lawyers. So that that is the beginning of our problem. We need to ensure that whoever is we're engaging as legal services 
for legal services is actually a real lawyer. Two, if there is an issue you have with a legal practitioner because you've engaged them to provide a service to you, one you've not been able to deliver or you've engaged them to sell a house, you have no clear system of reporting to ensure that if I report you, I'm going to be able to get redress. So that's an issue I also see. And um, I feel we in the profession have a responsibility to ensure that people don't only get redress, but there is a certain level of integrity in the way we carry out our work. So not being involved in what they call popularly sharp practice. I don't know if you're aware of it in the UK. So this is you as a lawyer, instead of going through the normal procedure that the regulations prescribe, because there is no supervisory authority to ensure that you actually do what the law says you should do. You cut corners just to make things um, move faster. It's a common thing I see in the profession, which I feel um, are a few things that are making us lose integrity and trust um, in the country. Thank you, Saratu. Now, now we've dwelt um, slightly on negative behaviours. Let's refocus mm. on some very positive right. uh, topics. What are your ambitions for Hamu Legal here? Is this about growing and maintaining a small to mid-sized firm with a couple of areas of specialism, or or does a uh, global domination? Beckham, <laughs> tell us. You know, global do- domination is it's quite it's quite um, enticing. Um, but for me, for Hamu Legal, to be honest, at the moment, our vision is to continue to be a small and mid-sized law firm, servicing not only um, our immediate clients but clients within Africa, because with Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, we'll be able to to integrate with services across across the continent. But most importantly, what I find missing in the legal profession is an ability to not only train, but also incubate talent. So my vision for Hamu Legal is to be a solution provider for clients um, across different, different business areas, providing solutions in Nigeria and also across Africa, and to also be an incubation of talent hub where you find the best of lawyers who advance to do better work, either in business, in government, and then perhaps come back at a later time to continue to advance the practice. Because I feel with the way the world is moving now, much bigger global law firms would be required to shrink because with innovation and technology, you may not require to be all over the world. You just need to be able to have a system and process that efficiently works. Now, your comments around incubating the talent that the African legal community is going to need in the future really strikes a tone with me, reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from uh, the great Mahatma Gandhi, which is, be the change that you wish to see in the world. So very commendable, very commendable indeed. Uh, Now, as as a final thought, uh, Sadatu, what what do you enjoy doing in your in your spare time? What what little of it I'm sure you have. And <laughs> have you developed any new habits or routines to help you during these strange COVID times that you could share with with me and our listeners? Oh wow! Okay, so I think one thing I enjoy doing. I love to read. 
I love to. I'm currently reading um, a book from Joanne Didion, which I find very, very engaging. Um, and I also journal a lot. So you can imagine running a business, you always have challenges. So I feel like my journal is my way of distressing some of the challenges of running and starting a business I have, and it gives me a better perspective. When COVID came, I was still in school. Um, I've been off running for some time, but I'm happy to tell you I am now fully back running. I'm even on a 100K challenge at the moment. I am I am tired simply hearing of this 100K challenge. Is this, <laughs> is this, is this a distance that you are achieving over a set period of time or... Uh, it's very alien to me, I must admit. <laughs> okay, so it's it's um, we have to run hundred kilometers over the course of thirty days. So we started with we did eighty k, um, I think in May, and then did ninety in June, and now we're doing hundred in July. So it keeps increasing. Incredible, and you you <laughs> you say we who are the who are the poor souls so that are being dragged I, I, I along do, on this? I do it journey. with a couple of my friends, including some clients, actually, who saw me post it on my social media and decided, oh, I want to be part of this. And now they own it as well. So it's, it's an interesting mm-hmm. way to not only run with your friends, but even engage with your clients on things that are not related to their legal oh, There, there well. we go, listeners. There, there, there we go. This <laughs> is taking business development to the, to the next levels. Absolutely. Uh, and and, and the, the term, it's a marathon, not a sprint, springs to mind. Well, listen, Sardatu, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Thank you for for joining me on this week's edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. Um, A thank you, as always, to our listeners. Um, If you want to view our back catalogue of of podcasts, which is building very sizably now, you can find more information on the Africa Legal website or on our profiles on both SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But without further ado, I've been Tom Pearson, and you've been listening to the Africa Legal Podcast. Mm -hmm.